Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. I'm really excited today. I have one of our past guests, Daisy Prescott, back on, and she's going to co-host this show with me, and she has a guest that she's going to bring on a little uh, later in the show to introduce us all to, so I'm really, really excited about that, and I'm going to reintroduce you to my friend, Daisy Prescott. I've just got to know her. We have so much in common that we found out the last time that she was on. She's an amazing writer. She has a legion of fans, and you'll just love her as, as much as I do, so thank you, Daisy, for coming back Hi, wow, what an introduction. I'm so happy to be back. (laughs) Well, a lot's been going on with you. The the, the last time you were on, we were talking about um, your book that you had out, Gooey Ducks is for Lovers, takes place on Whidbey Island off the the coast of Seattle. And that book did really good. In fact, I was on Whidbey Island not long ago, and we were talking about it at the bookstores and talking it up amongst the people over there. And now you have a follow-up book. But uh, but we'll kind of maybe start back at the beginning. Gooey Ducks for Lovers, that was your first book that you wrote? It it was. It was my first novel and any real fiction, um, full story of fiction that I wrote. So I just wrote it. I did NaNoWriMo in November 2012 and um, through self-publishing, published it in May of last year. So it's been nine months since it's been out there. What was your expectation when you took the writing challenge? Because you, you must have been maybe dreaming about being a, a writer, but as as a dream shifts into reality, how did that change, or, or what was your expectation, and, and did it match up? Um, well, wow. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't know that I knew what to expect. Um, when I did Rhino, I think it was kind of a promise to myself to see if I could do it because I've talked about it for you know, 20 years about writing a book. And friends have said, "Oh, you should write. You're a writer. You know." you have stories to tell, and my husband's like, when are you going to write that book? And I would always come up with these ideas and then never, you know, actually put pen to paper or start something and then not finish it. So RIMO was really, or NaNoWriMo was really my challenge to myself to see if I could write a full manuscript. And then I showed it to a couple of people who, you know, gave me pretty blunt but honest feedback, but also said, you know, I think there's a book here, and I think, you know, you're writing good, but you know, we have a lot of revising to do and editing, and, and um, I think eight or nine drafts later, maybe even 12, you know, I went through a copy edit process and, and published it, and that was just the beginning. I think, you know, it's really tough to finish writing a novel, and a lot of people talk about it and never do it, but that's just the beginning, especially if you're self-publishing. I feel like, you know, if what I know now, if I knew then, I still would do it, but it's a lot of work. I don't think I've ever worked so hard. Yeah, because there's a lot more moving parts than just writing the book itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially in indie. You know, it's great for people that, you know, are control freaks and want to do everything, but at the same time, you're doing everything. I mean, it's really running a small business. 
you have the product, you have a brand, you have marketing, you have um, publicity, you have you know interacting with readers, which is the best part, being able to directly you know hear from readers and you know chat with them on Twitter or Facebook or any of that or author events, amazing. But you know every day you get up and you have a whole list of things besides writing <laughs> that need to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, when I've talked to musicians, they'll say that they play for free. They get paid for all of the stuff in between um, taking the stage and what actually happens, yeah. um, all the work that goes in between all of that. Um, yeah, very true. My husband's a musician and was a music major in college, and a lot of friends of his have continued to play music professionally. And he says pretty much the same thing. You play for free and then make your money in, you know, T-shirts and CDs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, hope mm-hmm. to have enough money for the next, to get to the next tour. Exactly. Absolutely. What is blunt feedback like? Um, because it is necessary, but sometimes I would think that it could be, you have to have a little bit of a thick skin and not take things personally, maybe? Definitely. Um you know, I kind of surprised myself because I take a lot of stuff personally. There's, you know, I'm definitely one of those people who thinks, you know, oh, is that about me? It must be about me. Um, <laughs> but, for, <laughs> but I, you know, as far as the writing, it kind of, you just have to separate yourself. It's not you. It's the writing. It's what's on the page. In, in your mind, it may work, but you're, you haven't achieved that on the page. And, um, you know, I took a risk with Gooey Ducks and I wrote it in first-person present or third-person present, which is kind of an atypical um, storytelling voice. Um, and, you know, I stuck by it. A lot of people told me to put it in past tense. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have. But, you know, it's out there now, and you can't go back and redo it. Um, and so I switched when I did Ready to Fall. I did first-person past tense, and that was a very different voice and you know, it's only um, John Day's point of view, which was a big challenge because in, in Gooey Ducks, I had, you know, two point of views and the kind of third person, you know, a little bit of a separation. So, you know, we learn as we go. And I'm sure I'll look back, you know, five books from now and think, wow, you know, look how far I've come, or at least I hope I do, <laughs> as far as writing and, you know, being able to tell a story. So, Is it easier to write in first person versus third person or is it um it's challenging you know it's challenging um i think i think i'm going to do it again for my next book um but i might have two povs i'm going to have to see how the story can be told because when you only have the first person if we're only seeing things through john day's eyes we miss a lot you know you try to put in little clues for the readers um, but he's missing it. You know, he's not seeing clearly, and so you can't put in that extra little, you know, bit of information unless he sees it or hears it or reads it. So it's it's a challenge, but it's fun to go through that journey, you know, just through a single point of view. Well, writing then from his POV, that, that would really be really like writing a whole new book because you have to completely then get inside his head from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a big challenge. Um, Heather Maven, who's going to join us in a little bit, um, she and I very early on when Gary Ducks came out, she said, I love the neighbor. You know, I want. I think you should write a book with, with him. And I heard that from, you know, pre, a couple pre-readers and some author friends, and I dismissed it. And 
and I kept thinking, I can't get in this guy's head, you know, and then I went through gooey ducks, and he really isn't in gooey ducks very often, you know, all together, you know, just a few pages, and I thought, well, you know, what is, who is he, and what's his backstory, so it took me several months of just kind of sitting with him and figuring out, you know, what his backstory was, you know, we know he grew grew up on the island, but we don't know about his family, we don't really know much about his, you know, past romance, um, Excuse me. And um, so I really had to sit. And then, you know, my husband and I had many conversations where I asked him, I was like, well, would you think this and would you do this? And, you know, as a guy and all of that. So he was my male POV consultant um, to make sure that, you know, you get it right. You don't want it to sound like a woman writing as a man, you know. Right. But obviously I've never been a man, so I hope I get it right. <laughs> well, the, the, you know. the, the thing about the islands where it takes place on all of these little islands off the coast of Seattle, the San Juan Islands, Woodby Island, they're really magical places. And and I really hope that people will, after they read the books, will when they come through Seattle, will go to, to these places because they are just stories within themselves and, and the people who live there and the shops and the music and the food. It's, it, 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 it's really a magical place. I agree. I 100%. With Bay Island, one of my favorite places in the, in the whole world. And, you know, I was lucky to live there for um, just over a year, several years ago. And then um, I have family there and I've, I've spent summers and my whole life going to Whidbey Island. And it really is, a special place, and given that it's so close to a major metropolitan area, it's pretty remarkable how rural it is, and how what a strong artist community. I love that, you know, with the glassblowers and the ceramic artists and painters and writers and musicians. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing place. And they have wineries there. They you know grow their own wine out. I mean, they're really self sufficient and. Um, <laughs> They, they could almost be cut off from, you know, from the rest of the world, and and I'm sure be totally happy. And it's it's a it's a beautiful place. And there's there's parts when you're there, you can actually be kind of in the middle of the island and see both both sides of the of the ocean there on both sides. But um, and of course, Tin Cove mussels come out of there. It's a real foodie place. I mean, they're really great on food really there, and place. like I said, they, they have wine and music, and it's a fantastic place. Coffee. We love their coffee, don't we, Daisy? Yep. Yes, we say. And then um, Michael Teal Coffee Company had to give a shout-out to them because um, Happy Hippie is one of my favorite all-time coffees and I think probably drank quite a bit of it while riding gooey ducks. Um, but, yeah, the, the wineries and, I mean, just even, the, you know, like you brought up uh, Pencove Mussels, you know, just everybody has a, a shellfish license and, or fishing license and you go off the shore and you get salmon you get clams, you get the Ten Cove mussels in Coopville. It's just, it's amazing, especially in summer. And I've had readers, you know, say, we should rent a house and, like, spend a girls' week on Whidbey. And I'm like, can I come too? <laughs> you know, because it just is Absolutely. a really fun place. And, you know, and then in Ready to Fall, we get off the island. You know, we see, we go to um, Port Townsend, which is another just magical little city full of artists and creative people and um. I love that little town, and it feels more big city than a lot of the places on Whidbey, so it's a nice place to go when you're stir-crazy in the winter. Mm-hmm. And take the ferry. 
Yeah, and, and uh, and yeah. And I even I bring them off the island um, over Deception Pass Bridge um, in Ready to Fall, which I wanted to do. You know, I want to get to new places on the island that we didn't see in Gooey Ducks, including one of my favorite places that most people would never think to go, which is island recycling. And the bus and the bowling balls and all that really are really do exist at this quirky little recycling center. So I didn't make that one up. I do make up a couple places, but that place is like one of a kind. And I think they even have a bumper sticker that says, I saw Elvis at Island Recycling. So you know a true islander when they have that bumper sticker. (laughs) Well, you incorporate a lot of food and music into your romantic novels, which really gives, I think, people a sense of um, feeling like, like they're really experiencing it and and escaping and receiving the full experience of what's going on throughout the book. You know, place is really important to me when I read. I love um, losing myself in books about places I've never been or, you know, worlds that don't exist, like Harry Potter. Um, Yeah, they could exist, but they don't. And so place is just, it's another character. And I enjoy reading that way. And so, you know, I do hope that it comes across um, in my own writing, and, you know, I just, I consider these books also love letters to Whitby Island. Um, my father, <laughs> um, rather embarrassingly um, for me, read Ready to Fall because, you know, it is contemporary romance and there is, you know, there's sex and it's male POV and all that. But what he really loved is he knew all the places. And he said he got them right. And even the place in um, Port Townsend, the bar where they go, um, and there's karaoke, he said, oh, I know that bar. And I said, I kind of made that one up. He's like, no, no, it's just down here. It's off of the wharf, and you go left, and he's like, this is exactly the kind of place, you know, it exists. And so that was great that the people who know that island really well and know the area respond positively to the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And one thing um, people might not even know about would be honest, it's extremely patriotic, Island. Um, there's a Navy base there at the top up in Oak Harbor and uh, um, near um, um, Deception Pass. And and everybody there, you just, you know, um, a lot of times people think, oh, artists and hippies and, you know, a uh, bunch of radicals there. But it, it, it's not like that. I mean, it, it's a, a very patriotic place, um, very help your neighbor type of place. Um, uh, neighborly, uh, friendly, super friendly, um, and Absolutely. when you go there, you're thinking, why isn't everybody living here? Because if you knew <laughs> about it, this would be the place that you would want to raise your family or live. Or I mean, it's it's almost too good to 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 even be true, but it is true. It, very true. And I happen to be on. Um, I just moved from New York City. To Whitby when 9-11 happened and um, it was amazing. I mean there were flags everywhere there were kids you know doing car washes and lemonade stands and you know everybody was doing a fundraiser to raise money for a city you know on the other side of the country or cities on the other side of the country and um, you know that's what it's like. People are active you know in the Lions Club and the Rotary and um, uh, not Habitat for Humanity, but a similar version of, you know, going and helping people, you know, do repairs on their houses and 
um, that was something I definitely wanted to um, to share more in Ready to Fall because John's an Islander. You know, Maggie's kind of a new person, but John's an Islander, and that's what people do. And it is amazing. In the base up, up north, um, you know, it, there's a large military family population on the island too. So it's just, it is, it's a little bit like Mayberry. I mean, when I lived there, you didn't always lock your door and you kept your keys in your car and... <laughs> You know, it was a, it was it's a different place, and I'm glad that it still exists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a little break, and I'm going to play Butch Walker's "You Belong to Me." It was one of the songs <laughs> that you requested, and I want you to tell us a little bit about that and why it was important. Um, well, I'm a big fan of Butch Walker's music, and you know, he's kind of he's an indie guy. And when I heard his version of the Taylor Swift song, I knew at that point that it's that John Day would sing karaoke. And if he was going to sing karaoke, he was going to sing Taylor Swift. So it inspired an entire scene, and much of the scene that came after that is the result. So it's just a, it's a fun version of Taylor Swift's song. All right. Well, this is Butch Walker, You Belong to Me. We're going to be right back with Daisy Prescott, so hang on and enjoy. One, okay. two, one, two. You're on the phone with your boyfriend, he's upset He's going off about something that you said He doesn't get your humor like I do I'm at a bar, it's a typical Tuesday night I'm listening to the kind of music nobody likes
here all along, so why can't you see you belong with me? You know, you used to have to buy the whole album. 
and mm-hmm. now you can just buy a song, a song for 99 cents or, or sometimes less. Um, it's Absolutely amazing. right. Yeah, it's it's such such a deal. I mean, it it almost just blows the mind how how cheap it is. Um, Ninety nine cents. You know, with tax, it comes to a dollar eight. I, I have more money than that in the little you know ashtray thing in my car. And and just to think that you couldn't be supporting this great work by artists such as yourself and musicians and and all kinds of people. And and just that that little amount goes so so far in in so many ways it it helps support the art but then it it also signals to that to that artist that they're on the right track because you 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 receive notification that that somebody's purchasing your your work and i'm sure that's got to feel wonderful yeah and with people read i you know i keep hearing and reading mainstream media saying you know book sales are down and people aren't reading as much but i hear from readers you know they're reading three and five books a week or more sometimes, which just blows my mind. You know, and if you are that avid of a reader and your local library isn't doing ebooks or isn't carrying a lot of, you know, contemporary romance, being able to, you know, get a book for a dollar and and feed that habit and then share it with a friend is is fantastic. You know, and the reader side of things. So as a reader first and foremost, I completely support that. <laughs> it would be great, mm-hmm. you know, if we all were, you know, able to charge what the big publishers were charging. But you know, nine dollars for an ebook does seem high when you can buy a paperback for twelve. You know, um, mm. to feed your reading habit, you know, indie books, and even when they're priced two ninety nine or three ninety nine, are such steals. Oh, absolutely! It's you know, two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Um, if I wrote a book, um, I would want to at least recoup my. <laughs> Investment. I mean, you, you, you want to put out, but yeah. there's a band in, uh, in Ireland, and, and they're called the 20 Band, and, and they have this song, and, and it's really a great song. I've talked about this before. Uh, it's called um, Take a Penny. And the premise of the song is that artists, they put all the pennies in the jar, okay? Like, like when you go to the gas station and, you know, you need a penny, you can take uh-huh. a penny. Well, artists put all the pennies in the jar, and they don't mind you taking the pennies. But every now and then you've got to put – you got to give a penny back, or or the jar goes empty, and right. um, and and so it's they, they, the artists just can't keep putting the pennies in the jar, and we just can't keep taking the pennies. So right. it's reciprocal, you know. The artist puts all the pennies in up front, but then, you know, we have to do our part, and every now and then we we have to put a penny back. So when you do that, you're you're supporting these people at the at the fundamental level, and you're keeping this independent movement. Um, alive and well, and that's really where the creativity is because as an independent artist, you can write and put out there whatever you want to do, and you're not limited by the publisher telling you, "Eh, take that out or do this or do that, or you might not want to say that. If you feel like the character needs to go there, you can take them there. Yeah, the creative freedom of self-publishing is just amazing, and just the talent that is found in the indie publishing world right now is just amazing. I mean, people, you, the big names like Hugh Howey and, you know, Colleen Hoover and Jamie McGuire, but for every one of those, there are, you know, 10 to 100 people who are writing and, and you know, putting out professional-looking books that they've had edited and, and cover designs and beautiful cover designs and, you know, putting out a quality product and, you know, for three or four dollars, it's just—it 
it's amazing. But the talent and is definitely there. It's not, you know, just a sea of, of you know, Bigfoot <laughs> pornography or <laughs> alien stuff or, you know, all of that for, you know, 99 cents. And so when an author can do a sale like I'm doing now and say, look, you know, for a limited time here you can save $3 and, you know, buy the book. And it just brings it to new readers as well. And then eventually it will go back up to its full price of three ninety nine. Um, you know, it's kind of like the President's Day sale or whatever <laughs> time of year it is. Um, but because the prices are low doesn't mean that the quality is not there. That's one thing since we last talked and talked in May. It's just, you know, I've seen and met and read amazing books by indie authors. And it's just an incredible community that's supportive and encouraging, you know, very unlike what you hear about, you know, kind of cutthroat um, businesses, you know, and we're all in business together, but we're cheering each other on because nobody buys one book. If they buy one book, they're a reader and they're going to buy, you know, five more. So it's just the indie world's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to go get Heather and bring her on and let you introduce us to her. We're going to talk about this indie world and all the parties you guys go to and <laughs> all of the models you get to deal with and look at and, and interview and um, put on your covers and, and put in your uh, promotional videos and that type of thing. That's got to be a rough job. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would say I that the – I sit at home and write in my pajamas. I'm not <laughs> – Think it's the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard about these conventions. I want to go to one one time because I think that's where my people lie, right? Right there yeah. um, near the yeah. bar is, is, is where my people are. <laughs> and I've heard that they're at these author conventions. So um, yeah. I always thought author conventions were like in libraries with people wearing smoking jackets and discussing, like, you know, the theory of relativity or something. But I found out <laughs> Not they're really like afraid. women <laughs> – <laughs> having fantastic not a, time. Not us romance writers, no way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go get Heather. We're going to bring her back on, and we're going to be talking men, so hang on just a second. <laughs>
Are we back? I think we're back. Yep, and we're back. Um, and this is Daisy, and I invited um, Heather Maven to join us today because Heather is just an amazing woman that I met through Indie, and she made a book trailer for me, a fan-made book trailer of Ready to Fall, starring a very handsome man named Justice Jocelyn, um, who is a popular model um, used in a lot of um, different fan-made things for various contemporary romances. And um, through that, we um, have been close friends. Um, she was actually the person I talked to first about writing Ready to Fall um, and John Day. So welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's funny because Heather and I have never met in person. We talk on the phone, we talk on Facebook, we chat, you know, on Twitter and all these different mediums. Um, but like many people in the indie world, um, we have never met face-to-face, um, which I think is kind of a funny thing about just publish, self-publishing and, and all the people that you meet and readers and Facebook friends. And hopefully this year we'll get to meet face-to-face at one of the author events that Lori was talking about so excitedly. Um, but, Heather, why don't you tell us first how you got into indie? Um, well, it's a funny story. I read <laughs> Twilight, and, I mean, to me that was just, that was a game changer for me. Once I started reading Twilight, I fell in love with Edward and Bella and just couldn't get enough. And, interestingly enough, my girlfriend, um, who lives on the same street as me, was telling me about Twilight fan fiction and that I should really read it. And when she was explaining to me what it was, I was like, that sounds ludicrous. I could never read a story in which Edward spanks Bella. It just couldn't happen. So I started reading other things, and I read The Hunger Games, and I read, you know, other popular series, but nothing was really the same for me. And then Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And Which was a game changer for so many people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That? Like, how many people said, oh, my gosh, I haven't read a book in 10 years, and then I read Fifty Shades, and I read 10 books a week now. That, and that is the truth. So I read yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey. I devoured Fifty Shades of Grey. And um, I told my neighbor about it. I'm like, oh, my God, I read this book. It's the most amazing thing I've read. <laughs> like, Edward, or not Edward, um, this guy Christian, is a, and she's like, is it Fifty Shades of Grey? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you dummy. I'm like, what? She's like, remember I've been telling you I wanted you to read this stuff? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, that was a fan fiction. I'm like, are you crazy? No way. So it made me um, start to investigate fan fiction. So I started reading more and more and more and more of it. And as I started reading more of it, I found favorite authors in fan fiction, and one of them happened to be um, F.L. Scott. And then when she started publishing regular books, you know, her own original fiction, I started reading more and more original fiction. And I read a series um, by Elisa Romig called Consequences, and I joined Facebook, and I joined her discussion group on Consequences. And while I was in the discussion group, somebody one day said, hey, Elisa, does your book have a trailer and everybody she was like well she's like I think there's a trailer out there she's like but I'd always love another one and I was like I could probably try that and this was about a year ago and literally on a whim one afternoon I started hunting and gathering pictures and video clips and watched a YouTube clip on how to put 
trailers together, how to edit in iMovie. And um, it took me probably about two weeks, and I cut and pasted and added things and um, threw it out there. And it changed the whole course of, you know, my life really at this point because I got such a fantastic response to it, and people loved it so much that they wanted more and more and more book trailers. And that's how I ended up making book trailers and making friends and um, talking to authors. And now I get to make um, trailers for my favorite books, including Ready to Fall. So it was such a cool way to um, just be able to marry things that I like, good-looking men, music I love to listen (laughs) to, and stories I like to, you know, to read about. I guess you have the best job ever. <laughs> Although I did have to point out that Heather does not charge for her book trailers because you could, and I'm sure you get requests all the time, but that you still make them just as, you know, a love note to the author and the books that you love, right? Yep, it's just for fun. Nothing, not, no, other, no other reason than just for people to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's amazing because I saw the, the, the Ready to Fall trailer. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie. And I just came as up an great. author, I have to say, I hear so many people say, oh, I bought the book because of the trailer, which is just amazing to me. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, and that, it's a cool way to well, figure just, out if it's something that, you know, fits you. Well, and, and you're self-taught, really, right? Yeah, I did it all. It, it, I, and it's so funny because people, I never edited anything in my life before making that first trailer for that mer- that first consequences trailer. That was that was literally the the extent I had put a um a lyric video once that I had done for um Samantha Young. I read her book on Dublin Street and loved it. And I just loved this song. So I put just the lyrics to the song. It wasn't a book trailer with like pictures from Dublin Street. And that was the first thing I'd ever done. But there was no live video in it. It was literally just a slideshow where I put the lyrics on the screen. So but that gave me the confidence that when someone asked in the consequences group, like, hey, do you think you could, did somebody think they could make a trailer, that it made me decide, you know, hey, I could probably do that. I did that lyric video. Let me try that. But I knew I wanted to add live action video into the book trailer. So I literally just went, I opened up iMovie on my Mac and started to play. Then I went to YouTube and, you know, tried to watch some video editing clips on YouTube and learned that way. And literally from there, I just um, watch a ton of book trailers. I pick up things I like in some people's book trailers and don't like in other ones. Um, My big thing is, is that I feel like the book trailer should tell the story without giving the story away. So I try to use the blurb from the book if I can because that's usually a great way to use um, to do that because most authors don't give their stories away in their blurbs. And then um, after reading it, I think about the things in the book that stuck with me, the moments that stuck with me. Um, For example, in Ready to Fall, there's a scene where um, John gives Diane a bath. And when I found a scene of, you know, Jessica Biel getting someone giving her a bath, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's you know, it's like destiny for that clip to be in this trailer. So um, I think about those things, and then I think about, you know, who do I picture, what scenes did I like, and then I just kind of throw them all together. But um, 
I would say the most important thing is the blurb and finding the perfect song to capture what I'm trying to say. Well, you definitely did, did you that con- ready to fall. Did, did you contact Daisy or did Daisy contact you? I told Daisy I wanted to do it. Um, and I have authors contact me, and I'm always honored when they do. Um, it's, it's really cool. But the thing is, is that because I do this for fun, I really want to make trailers for the books I want to make trailers for. And I've been lucky so far in the sense where when an author has reached out to me and said, you know, hey, I really love your, your um, trailers. I'd love for you to make me one. And I read their book. I, I end up loving their book and end up wanting to make the trailer anyway. So it's worked out well in that case. But like I said, because it's a hobby and it's just something I'm doing to to turn people on to the books that have turned me on, um, I really like to be the one to say, hey, I'd like to do this for you. And how do the men then come into it? Because do you and the author sit down and go, this is who I envisioned, and you come up with that together? Or do you have a look, or does the author have a look? Or, or how do you decide on, on the face of, of who's going to be this author's um, you know, the, the really um, the, 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 the face of the novel. Yeah, well, I usually ask the authors, like, who they like. I, and, you know, and, and sometimes it's working. Sometimes the authors are like, you know what, you do it 100% whatever you want to do. Um, and then other times it's, it's, you know, it's a collaboration. But a lot of times I end up being in groups with the fans of those books, um, a lot of times. And a lot of times if it's a book that hasn't been out, I'm not. And that's when the author input comes in. But a lot of times fans have named who they see as a person before um, books even have. Um, so that's always, a, you know, an interesting, you know, for example, um, you know, Katie Evans' people, they, I've not made a trailer for her book, but they all, you know, this, guy, this fitness model named Colin Lane, they all said, this is, this is Remy. And then there's always the big debate, you know, between the people that don't see him that way. Um, but with um, the Consequences group, you know, the girls, a lot of women had picked John Hamm. In and while I think John Hamm is cool, he was not, um, he was not Tony to me. So I was able to um, talk to Aliza, and she said, you know, I always kind of picture Joe Jello as, as my Tony. So there he went. You know, I looked him up, and I was like, yep, we can find pictures of him in a suit. We can use him. Because Which that's funny sometimes because I – Joe has always been too old for John Day, but he was definitely, you know, that big, muscular, broad-shouldered, bearded guy. He was my, you know, I had him in mind when writing Ready to Fall, but Heather and I, Heather used to blog for um, Love and Books, so she's done it mm-hmm. on a lot of different things in, in the indie world, and she wanted to do a spotlight on um, John as one of, I think it was for June, as one of the sexy men, sexy book boyfriends, and mm-hmm, who did you mm-hmm. pick? <laughs> Do you remember who you I, picked? <laughs> I picked Jamie Dornan. I said, and this was way before he was cast as Christian Gray. And I watched so him on Once Upon a Time. He was. <laughs> I, so, um, so my blog partner at the time, Ellie Lovenbooks, and I, you know, we were always scoping hot men. And if anybody knows who she is, I mean, she literally, if there's a hot man in the universe, she knows him. She knows him. Ellie she knows how to get to him phenomenal connections and she's she's the best person to call if, if you're if you're looking for a guy and um <laughs> i um was like oh this guy he's so hot he's got a beard he's perfect and i sent him to daisy and daisy was like yeah he's really cute and um we had like hotties of the month and we picked jamie dornan as john day for the month of june and uh so that was that, that was my initial 
<laughs> it was my initial John <laughs> Day with Jamie heard. Dornan. <laughs> finder's fee, finder's fee. <laughs> <laughs> Although he looks very different as Christian, and I love him as Christian. I just, I think he's so perfect. It's a totally <laughs> different look. It's a, it, and, and that's the same thing but when you know, he with has women. his beard. He's he John is John Day. Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's why when I saw, when, you know, when we found Justice, it was like, oh, my gosh, like, could there be a more perfect man out there? I mean, he is just so ruggedly handsome. And when I started um, investigating him, which is a nicer way of saying stalking, um, <laughs> I, you know, when we came across his, you know, Timberland commercials and his Nautica commercials, it's like, could this be any more perfect? Like, the footage that we have of him, the pictures that we have of him, like, how could we not use Justice Jocelyn for John Day? And so that's how we picked Justice. Yeah. So when, when you reach yeah, out, he's on ben. Twitter, and he's favorited tweets about him being in the trailer. So you know, I like to think that right. he, we have his blessing, and he's happy with it. And yeah. Um, well, yeah. You know, what's the uh, what's the saying? You know, any publicity is is good publicity. Just don't spell my name wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And then his real name. I mean, how cool is that? He's like, you know, his name is Justice Jocelyn. I mean, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, as we've learned with Fifty Shades of Grey, casting can be a slippery slope when it comes to fans um, and and who they picture as these characters. And they can be quite quite vocal. I never got into casting with, with Fifty Shades because um, one time when I was very, very brand new, I was a tiny baby, just born. Baby, I was just pink as I could be, um, just born into the fandom. And somebody said, you know, the first question was, who do you see as Christian Grey? I didn't know. I was a baby. I was just, you know, still stuck on my pacifier. And I threw out a name. I didn't know. I'll tell you that the the zombies the the devils came from the skies to attack me, and I learned that day oh as a brand new little baby in the fandom. Don't ever comment on this casting. And um, if other people want to do that, but I'm very sensitive, so that, that was yeah. a real shocker for me. But um, so I, I learned, and I just sat back and watched. And I, and I always trusted El James. I really thought that um, because she was so close to the situation that she was the best advocate that the fans had um, to get as close to the book as it was going to get. Um, if, if she would just sign the rights away, who knows what we would have been given, you know, if Hollywood would have just taken it and run with it. But because she stayed so close to it, I really felt like she was the best advocate that, that we had for that. So I just really trusted the, 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 the system to work. But I, I, I do know, because I do watch, and I, I see how crazy that they can get involved with these characters and, and a face of, of who they believe that character to be, and they will live or die with that. Yeah. Well, and I think we, brought, we talked about this last May. You know, I come out of the Twilight fandom, too. I blogged about it, you know, how it wasn't the kind of book I read and I, you know, it was YA and it was about vampires and I just fell down this rabbit hole and was active in the fandom and, and, you know, met an amazing group of women who are now published authors. Some of them, some aren't. Um, But what we learned from the Twilight fandom and I came into it late, I came in 2009 was, and you know, the actors were already cast and the film was already out is that everyone hated Robert Pattinson as Edward when he was cast the same exact thing happened. 
you know, rending of garments and fire raining down from the heavens and, you know, the worst <laughs> possible casting. And we saw how that turned out. So I just knew with Fifty Shades, it's, you know, let's wait and see what they do with the movie. And then when mm-hmm. it was Jamie Dornan and, you know, that connection, I was like, you have my blessing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but. You know, everybody, books are incredibly personal. And when you're reading, you have, you know, your own vision of who, you know, the hot hunky guy is and um, place and everything else. And, you know, I mean, what's romance without the hot hunky guys? That's why we're here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I, I'd read in a book that, 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 a, that, um, that reading romance was, was the same as, as being romanced. And, and and you do feel like that. You you do feel like you're being romanced when you are reading a, a romance book. And I think that's that's the magic of it. Yeah, that is and so true. And you mentioned earlier about you know these author events and the romance writers. I have gone to a couple of different author signings of various sizes. I was at Book Bash last year um, and sat with S. L. Scott, and have never had so much fun. I mean. Romance writers, we want to look at the hot, hunky guys. A lot of authors bring their models with them, which is crazy. And these guys are so much fun and such good sports. And we just have the best time. You laugh, you stay up late. It's like a giant, you know, slumber party. Of, and it's readers and bloggers and, and authors, you know, all hanging out and just incredibly fun. Heather, last year, was part of the team that organized an event in Vegas. And I've only seen a few pictures. <laughs> but I know that it's, you know, I'm sure there were NDAs signed and everything like that. But, you know, Heather, talk about your experience going to these big events. Oh, yeah. I mean, my first event, and it's funny because Daisy and I have not met in person, but we were both at the Boston Author event last year, and it's, we just didn't know each oh my other gosh, yet. Right. And, that and was so huge. that was like 1,200 people standing outside in the, you know, cold on St. Patrick's Day, yeah. right? Yeah, and I was, I mean, I was fortunate enough that I um, decided to volunteer for that event, so I was actually able to stay inside the room all day, which was really, really nice. Um, but I remember, you know, after, but I remember I had talked to um, S.L. Scott um, online that night, and she's like, oh, my friend Daisy was there. And, you know, and then she would say, you know, later on, like, oh, I really want you to meet my friend Daisy. And so she actually introduced me to Daisy um, when Daisy um, was writing um, Goy Duck. She said, you know, would you mind taking a look at my friend's book? And that's how um, that started. So Boston was my first experience, and I just loved it. Like, it was so neat to be able to meet, you know, not only the authors that I admired, but all the readers that I fangirl with. So um, when the opportunity to go to Las Vegas came up, I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? So the thing that's so cool about Las Vegas is the book signing is incredible. There's so many um, authors there that you get to meet. But because Las Vegas itself is such a fun city to party in and the venues are so neat that the male models being there and and looking to mingle and flirt with the girls and um, it just is a whole nother um, aspect to the the book experience and you know seeing these guys that are you know gracing the covers of the of these you know books and you know here they are you know dancing with you and you know taking pictures with you and you know and the authors and you know it's just it's just such a fun 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 experience and um like I said 
because of the success of Vegas last year, um, I think that the talent of the authors is just going to get better at these events, and I think that the um, caliber of model you'll have at these events is, is just going to get better and better. And I'm really looking forward, you know, some of these models, um, you know, they, they this has almost become their own their own business, their own careers is, is being, you know, book cover models. And they have their own Twitters. I mean, um, Chase Savage's personal trainer has turned into, you know, a, a book cover personality. And he's starring in her videos. And he's, you know, going to be coming to signings with her this year. They, how so cool is that for a 21-year-old guy? He has his own fandom. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting he's yeah. getting his own group of you know groupy women that are going to be looking to meet him you know when he comes to Book Bash or when he comes to Las Vegas, so it's just really 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 neat, um, and how exciting for him and how exciting for Shay that she's been able to you know literally give this you know 21 year old kid you know a, a different career path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you touched on something that I really love about Indy is. You know, you are self-trained in, in doing book trailers. Um, my covers were done by Sarah Hansen at OK Creations. Amazing. She's also self-trained in book covers. She was a graphic des- uh, designer by, you know, school and, and had been doing it for years. And we have, there are editors that have done other kinds of editing who are now, you know, running editing shops and have three or four women combined, you know, that do all types of editing. I mean, it's really this amazing grassroots, you know, world of these small businesses that have all popped up to support self-publishing and just amazing talent from all, you know, there's um, Stephanie of, what is I'm going to get it wrong, Sweet Spice Stuff, who makes the cookies, these amazing cookies with your book cover on them and, and, you know, it's just, it blows my mind. It's just tapped into this you know, world of a lot of these women were teachers or stay-at-home moms or had careers that they didn't love and have, you know, been able to step into a creative career and support themselves or contribute to their families with by books. You know, somehow, you know, part of this whole world of, of self-publishing, it just blows my mind. And I think it's just, and it's so, and the majority of us are women, and that's what's amazing. Did Absolutely. you think that um, people and all sorts of people? Right. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you think um, a lot of this was was sped up by the success of Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, absolutely. I think a hundred percent. And it's yeah. so funny because sometimes I see negativity about Fifty Shades of Grey, even from you know other authors that are established. You know, they you know almost roll their eyes at the hoopla, and it makes me a little sad to be honest with you because as a big fan of Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't like to see anybody else that I admire downing something that I love. It's not endearing to me. And I want to say sometimes, like, hey, you know what? Without Fifty Shades of Grey, I guarantee you 80% of your readership would be gone. So just be thankful and bless the fact that that book came out because I'm not saying there wouldn't have been some book down the line that would have done this, but this was the book that did this. I. I believe that 100%. And I know not everybody has read it that's in the indie world. I know it's not the only book that they've read, but I really do believe that it's what brought everybody together. 
Yeah. Well, I can speak for myself. A, in you know, it kind of I, took romance out of the heaving bosom and, like, the books that you see at the grocery store, although some, like, there are great books at the grocery store. But these kind of, like, you know, my mother read or my grandmother or my mother-in-law read these, you know, heaving bosom Harlequin books, and I would never mm-hmm. read those. Those aren't what I re- read, you know, kind of mentality. And then Fifty Shades and kind of the books that came out around that period, and suddenly it was like, why am I not reading romance? This is great. And it mm-hmm. really shifted contemporary romance. And, I mean, even if you're not, you know, never want to read a BDSM book, there, you know, there's a book and a hot book boyfriend out there for everybody. You know, you like a professor, you want a guy in a motorcycle gang, a cowboy, a lumberjack, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's really sparked this, this kind of reading revolution in romance, I think. Well, I can speak for myself because I was one of those people. I hadn't read a book in probably 10 years or more. It just just wasn't anything that was even interesting to me whatsoever. And so I read Fifty Shades of Grey, which, of course, I loved. read it, you know, I went through the Fifty Shades detox program because I kept kept reading it and reading (laughs) it and reading it and reading it it 50,000 times. And um, but it led me to Daisy and S.L. Scott and Ruth Clampett and um, Cindy Teft and uh, I know I'm leaving people out, but you know I, I've read all of these wonderful books. Um, Sylvain Reynard's books. Um, his, his was were the very next ones I read after Fifty Shades of Grey, and um, then uh, I was actually talking to Erica, and I'm like, oh, you know, well, I could get you on the show because, you know, my mind was just, you know, I was in this really crazy world of Fifty Shades of Grey in my mind, and I just had all these questions, and I just, you know, I needed to talk to someone. That's how I ended up on Twitter with the, in the fandom because I just, I had all these things that I needed to say and talk about and, and understand, and she's like, well, you know, I, I really don't, I'm kind of shy, I don't want to really come on, but, you know, these are the people that you should be looking at, and she named off Daisy Prescott. Um, Sylvain Reynard, S.L. Scott, Ruth Clampett, and I absorbed all of it, and she was 100% right with, with, with my, um, the things I was interested in, because I loved every single one of those people. I have every single one of those people on my show. I loved them all, and she was 100% right, and, and I thank her for that, because I would have never, it would have never led me in anywhere else if I hadn't have started with, with Fifty Shades of Grey, so I'll always be grateful for that. Yeah, and that's, you know, very typical of, in indie, I mean, Heather mentioned, you know, there are some people who are negative or, you know, bad mouths, but generally people are incredibly supportive, authors, you know, for other authors and saying, oh, if you like this book or, you know, my friend's book's coming out and promoting and cross-promoting and, um, you know, because we do want to read and if, when we have time and we beta read something and we love it, we want that person to do well. We want people to, you know, see that name out and grab the book, yeah. Um, because oh. I think so many of us started out as readers, you know, whether it was Twilight or Fifty or you know, going way back, you know, Jane Austen. You know, my mother gave me Pride and Prejudice when I was thirteen, and you know, hello, Mr. Darcy, and changed my life. And I agree with that wholeheartedly, Daisy. I, I think there is way more good than bad. I think there's way more supporting. I think there's way more cheerleading for each other. Um, and I love that. And it's and I love especially, you know, when established authors take a chance and will read something that I say to them, like, hey, you know, give this book a chance. And the next thing you know, they're talking about it to people. And even, you know, some of the bigger bloggers, you know, will 
you know, take a chance on a smaller book, and next thing you know, this, you know, little book that, you know, that could, that's, you know, been putzing along all of a sudden has, you know, taken off. So I, I do think that it's wonderful the amount of support that we all have for each other. Yeah, yeah I, I've I had typically, like Heather, oh, go ahead. No, I just say, you know, I, I've typically had a really good experience, too. The, the only negative I had was in casting. <laughs> Other than that, and I, I learned to stay away from that, um, I, I had a, a really good experience. I've had a good experience, and, and E.L. James did come on the show eventually, um, as it was. But uh, casting was, was was the only thing that I learned quickly just, just, just to stay away. But go ahead, Daisy. I don't remember what I was going to say, but I'm, like, trying to imagine who you suggested as casting. And I know Matt Bomer, you know, his fans were crazy, you know, for him to be 50. And I would see a lot on Twitter about that. He has to be 50. And, you know, I won't see it if oh, he's I'll not 50. <laughs> I'll tell so you who did you um, and, 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 and then they, they can come after me again. And let me – I just thought it was an innocent little thing. I didn't ever actually think he would be cast. I was just thinking that, you know, that it was, I don't know, I, I, it, was, it was a trap. Um, but I like um, Halle Berry's baby daddy, the first one. Um, he really oh, got beat up. He's cute. Yeah. With the beard, so, right? So. Yes, yes, Gabriel Aubrey. And I know him because yeah, him. <laughs> in a trailer that I made, I used Josh Holloway. Um, you know, who was on um, Lost. He was Sawyer on Lost. But I needed a picture of Sawyer holding a little girl's hand, and I couldn't find one. And there happened to be a picture of Gabriel Aubrey holding his daughter's hand walking down the street, and it was far enough mm-hmm. away that it looked just like um, Josh Holloway. So I used Gabriel He's in He's in one of my trailers <laughs> for uh, Undeniable by Madeline Sheehan as, as, uh, as Deuce <laughs> holding little, little Eva's hand. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to to me, there's nothing more sexy than a man being a father and uh, just really embracing that role and being a good dad. And to me, that's super sexy. And at that time, um, you know, I had read all of the books. I knew the whole story. I had these people's, you know, their whole life mapped out in my little brain. And so I was seeing Christian in that role, you know. So... Um, I had watched him evolve into the man that, that really he became for Anna. And so I, I saw him, and when I saw those pictures of Gabriel Aubrey and with, with his children um, or his child, that you know, it reminded me of that and it warmed my heart in, in that way. And so that's where I was coming from. It was very innocent. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend anybody, but, but, but that was, was, was where I was coming from in, you know, at, at that time. I was really pr- proud of Gabriel for, you know, for being a dad, and it, it reminded me and reflected me back on, on Christian's journey. Yeah. And what a journey that, that it was. That is sexy. <laughs> yeah, what a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, yeah, I definitely get that, you know, a man holding a baby, and there's a little bit of that. You know, there's a little tiny little glimpse of that in Ready to Fall, because I just had to. There's I still think John Day in the outdoor shower. <laughs> there's an outtake and you can find it on my blog in love and books it's John Day in the outdoor shower and, um, yeah when I read um, Dewey Duster for Lover she had this wonderful outdoor shower that she kept mentioning in the book but nobody had sex in it and I was like Daisy 
Like, how, how do you have an outdoor shower and no one uses it? Like, explain this to me. So she said, you know what, Heather? She's like, you want shower sex? I will write you shower sex. And I was like, thank you. And she did. She wrote me this very hot, very hot scene. And, uh, yeah, we posted it on Loving Books. So you can uh, you can still look it up there. And that was my oh, wow. first, you know, really full out sex scene. Because Gooey Ducks, you know, is more, it's not face of black, but it's, you know, it's, not as graphic. We'll call it so PG-13. It was great talent. It was PG-13 for 40-something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hilarious. Daisy, you, you write books like I like to read. So I, I have Ready to Fall. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to probably read it this weekend. And uh, because I'm, I'm a fast reader, once I start a book, I, I can't. I just have to read through it. You know, I mean, the, the world stops as I know it. I mean, you know, nobody gets fed. The house doesn't get cleaned. You know, I'm reading. So um, that's going to happen this weekend. And you write books okay. like, like I want to read. Well, I hope you enjoy it. It's a fast, people keep saying it's a fast read. So I think that's a good sign, you know, that mm-hmm. it goes by and you want more. And and um, I have heard one thing I keep hearing from readers that they really wanted an epilogue. Um, and I just I haven't written epilogues before because um, I kind of just want to get them to a place and then you know they're good and, we you know, off they go. Um, but I wrote kind of a small version of an epilogue that's going to come up on the Sub Club Books blog on the 21st. So, and I will definitely have links and everything like that. So, if you read it and you want a little bit more, there's a little bit more coming. Oh, great. We're going to make a note of that. And that's going to be on the Sub <laughs> Club Book Club's uh, uh, blog. Yeah, after and the I'll 21st. have links and I'll have, it, I'll have a little bit of, um, I think I'll po- eventually post it on my own um, blog and website. But, yeah, but, so that's my Valentine's. It's a little bit late, but it's a, my Valentine's to readers who wanted more from, from John and Diane. Great. Great. Well, Heather, how can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter, at Heather Maven. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, and I have, for my book trailers, or and I post everybody's book trailers. I have a, a page on Facebook called The Book Trailer Page. Can't get any easier than that. And um, I will post trailers that any author has made for their books by any trailer maker. It's just that I wanted to start as a place for people that, really do enjoy watching book trailers, that there's a place where, hey, a new book trailer came out. I'm going to be able to watch that today. So um, that's where they can reach me, book trailer page on Facebook. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, you for coming on. We really appreciate uh, it. It was really fun to talk to you and, and, and get to know you better. Yeah, this is my second time on, so this was pretty fun. <laughs> you were all with Bryce. I called in. in when you had, was it Bryce? Mm-hmm. Bryce, yeah, Bryce Thompson was on. Bryce right Thompson, right after Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a real sweetheart. Yeah, he. Yeah, I, I really like Bryce. I, I hope great things happen for him. He, he's just a very, you know, good individual, and and easy yeah. on the eyes. I, very easy <laughs> on the eyes. <laughs> I noticed. I, I call him first. <laughs> <laughs> I call him the South African tall um, drink of water. Because he is, he is yeah. so tall. He is. So, I'm five foot seven, and I felt miniature next to him. It was. It's amazing how tall he is. Wow. Well, he is. He is a 
easy on the eyes, yeah. for sure. And, yeah. and the great and thing is that his personality matches up. He doesn't disappoint. That's, that's my goal is to get Lori to come to one of one of these big author events that, you know, people end up with tattoos and Somebody better bring bail money if that happens. Lori, <laughs> yeah. you have to come. You have to, you know, there's going to be one in Vegas in October, um, you know, book bashes in, in June. I, any of them are, are going to be a great time. I'm going to one in New York City in July where I'm going to get to meet Samantha Young for the first time, who was, she's, um, you know, across the pond. So to get her to come to the States to do a book signing, I was like, I'm there. I'm I'm there in New York City. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. So um, a, a lot I of my favorites I get crazy in Vegas. I, yeah, I, I got a baby Ethel, Vegas. I'm in Vegas. There's a great one in March, March 22nd, that Ethel Scott and I are doing along with, like, amazing authors put on by Vilma's book blog in Austin, Texas. And I think that one's going to be really fun because Austin's, you know, a crazy fun city. And, um, mm-hmm. And also Comic-Con. Usually there's indie authors there, and they're either doing signings on the floor or independent bookstores in the area. So lots of chances for, for me. Lots of chances. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> need a chaperone if I go to Vegas because, you know, I, I, I used to go to Vegas all the time. As always, it's a really wild place. I got a baby in Vegas one time, and uh, with my husband, we, we came back, and nine months later we had a baby. And then I, I left, started leaving him at home because I didn't need any more babies. And I went with the girls, and I got a tattoo in Vegas with the girls. And, you know, it's just a, it's a, I, I, I just don't know I'm going to need a chaperone and somebody with bail money. But, but, but I'm there. But I'm definitely there. So, okay, okay, okay well, we're, we're going to take on your calendar. Yeah, I'm going to put October on my calendar. I got it on my calendar. We're going to come back, talk to Daisy, um, and uh, and thank Heather for coming on. We really appreciate it, Heather. We learned a lot for sure. Um, <laughs> Thanks And a lot. I encourage people to, to watch your trailer. Is that Ready to Fall one? I mean, look like it came from Hollywood itself. I, I, I couldn't believe that it was a, a, you know, kind of a quote-unquote fan-done trailer because it was, it was so professional. It was – you yeah, hit it out of the park you. as far as I was concerned. All right, we're, we're going to be right back. Okay, okay. bye-bye. We'll, we'll be right back. Hi, friends. We have a brand-new sponsor, Audible.com. You can go to audible.com slash Northwest Prime and sign up for a free download and choose from thousands and thousands of best-selling and new release books. You can also exchange a book anytime, no questions asked. We all lead busy lives, but we can download this free Audible.com app to our Android, our iPhone, iPad, Windows, Kindle, Fire, you name it. It's easy to take with you on the go, whether you're working out, in the car, cooking at home, on the way to visit a friend, however you want, you can stay up to date with the greatest books in the world through this wonderful library. I recently chose Crusher by Niall Leonard. This mystery crime drama was filled with action. It was like I was watching a movie. The narrator spoke in an English accent, and I just felt like I was right there in London town. If you choose to stay with Audible, it's only $14.95 a month, and you can cancel at any time. At least check it out. It's free. See if it's for you. Tell them Northwest Prime sent you. That's audible.com slash Northwest Prime and get to reading when it works for you. Hey, Daisy, are, are your books available on audiobooks? They are not, not yet. Um, I know that some indies have done audiobooks with a couple of different companies. Um, I have, it's not something I've, I've looked into yet. 
um, but maybe maybe later this year. Great. And, and, and did I read something about your books are going to be available in Brazil or something like that? They are. Well, Gooey Ducks. We, um, we did a deal um, on Gooey Ducks, Are for Lovers, and a Portuguese translation. Um, I think it's going to come out early summer. Um, I have an amazing um, international agent, um, Flavia, from the Bookcase Agency, and she uh, really believed in Gooey Ducks and found um, a publisher with Enversos, and I'm really excited. It's going to be a new cover. Um, not sure about the title yet. Um, there's no word in Portuguese for Gooey Duck, <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to keep Gooey Duck or they're going to change it. So it's it's wild. I can't wait. Will you get to go to Brazil? Um, I hope so. Nothing in the works yet, but, you know, Brazil's just one of those bucket list places, so I hope so. I really do. Mm -hmm. That that would be fun. You mentioned Comic-Con earlier. Both you and I are from San Diego, so we know all about Comic-Con. Before it was even Comic-Con, it was it was like the comic book show in in San Diego, and I remember going with my neighbor when when I was a little girl. His parents would drop us off. I mean, we would just there was really only like Star Trek and Star Wars people there at the time, and it's really grown into what it is now. And I, I haven't been to it in years and years and years. I happen to be in San Diego this this same week that Comic Con is going to be going on, but um, uh, I don't actually have a ticket. The, the, the Big Bang did a really funny thing the other night on trying to get Comic-Con tickets. It was hysterical. But um, are, are, are you going to Comic-Con? Um, you know, I'm I'm not 100% sure that I'm going yet. Um, I, you know, and a lot of people who follow me on social media, I fell and broke my leg um, the day after Ready to Fall came out. And so my next book title is How I Made Millions and lived on a tropical paradise <laughs> island um, because obviously my book titles come true. Um, so I've had this broken leg. I had surgery. I've been, you know, housebound for two months and everything, and it's just thrown off my year. So I hope, fingers crossed, I make it to Comic-Con. Um, and it would be my fourth. You went last year, fourth, though, right? Yeah, it would, right. this would actually be my fourth year at Comic-Con, um, which is funny because I never went when I lived in San Diego. We, you know, it used. I think it used to be at the El Cortez Hotel. Mm-hmm. As you know, Ruth Clampa mm-hmm. has gone her whole life, and she's really the Comic Con expert. Um, but I've gone the past three years and just had so much fun. Um, last year, we did a, a signing. Ruth Clampa, F.L. Scott, and I did a signing at uh, Upstart Crow. Is it Upstart Crow? Oh gosh, I forgot the name. Um, at Port Village behind Comic-Con, so a lot of the people that were at Comic-Con could come to the signing. We just had the best time, and um, it's just, it's wild. So I, I do hope I make it back. Um, I think badge sales for people who didn't have last year's badge haven't happened yet, so there's still time to get your ticket if you want to try. Um, but even if you don't have a ticket, just being down in the gas lamp, you see everybody in costume, and you can go to panels outside of Comic Con, and you know, it's it's wild. There's no place like it. Well, I want to meet 
up with you if if you do go because I want to take you out for a California burrito because I'm I I just I love California burritos they're native to to San Diego um you only find them now if if somebody from San Diego moves to another city and then takes the recipe with them but not many people have done that and to get a true California burrito you have to be in San Diego and and uh, I would love to take you out and buy you a California burrito and and I will take uh, you up on that I, because I've never. I've never had one. I was born and raised in San Diego, lived there, you know, first 18 years of my life, and I've never had one. In fact, I was there in November, and I kept seeing them everywhere, and I'm like, what are these things? And for people who aren't from San Diego, it's a burrito with carne asada, right, and French mm-hmm. fries. Mm-hmm. 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 French fries are inside the burrito. Exactly. But it's so much even better than that. I I, have got on the plane coming back from San Diego, and, like, people, like, have – California burritos like stuffed in like every pocket and you know they like have bags with you know California burritos trying to take them back I've asked people you know I'm like do you think they're shippable can you dry ice them or something to me but it's 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 that and uh, In-N-Out Burger is like my my, my first stops when I want to get back to San Diego. See that's what I always do you know I get the animal style I get a chocolate milkshake I don't care about calories it's like the best going home or fish taco and yeah fish tacos are I mean, you can get them everywhere now. I lived in, you know, New England, and when I first moved back here almost a decade ago, and I would say something about a fish taco, people would look at me like I was crazy. And I was like, but everybody back here likes fish, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's cod mm-hmm. and seafood. And, but that whole concept of a fish taco was just so foreign and, you know, something we grew up on in San Diego. So my next goal when I go home to San Diego is a California burrito. Absolutely. And hopefully, and hopefully yeah. with you. <laughs> hopefully with me. That's great. And then we'll, you know, go to a bar and uh, <laughs> yeah. my, and my, my other favorite another. place to go. I'll tell you, um, in Seattle, one of my favorite places to go is the Lucky Diner because they have adult milkshakes. Ooh. And those things are wonderful because they are loaded People are going to think I'm an alcoholic, but I do like to have my adult beverages. And they have adult milkshakes at the Lucky Diner, and they're fantastic. And the rest of their food is, is great, too. And, and Kim and her husband, who own that place, do a fantastic job. But I'll tell you, um, their claim to fame is the adult milkshakes. Yummy. So when you come to San Diego or when you come to Seattle, we, we want you to come up here and, and ring the bell at Pike Place Market for us, and I'll take you over to the Lucky Diner. We'll have a, an adult milkshake. I would love it. I can't wait. And this is why my books are, you know, have so much food in them because, like, I can talk about food all day long. <laughs> Me and too. Adult Me. And adult beverages. <laughs> and adult beverages. So there's nothing better. There is nothing better than than good, no. good good friends and good food and adult beverages. I mean, that's that's right. really heaven on earth, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. All right, we're going to go out today with Philip Phillips' Home, and that plays a part in your books, and it was one of the songs that you chose today, and I wanted to let you talk about that just a little bit, and I want to thank you again for coming on. It's always just a a pleasure to have you, and I, you know, it's one of those things about social media is that you you get to feel like you really do know people, and and then uh, later people will say, oh, I can't wait to really meet you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we haven't met. I I always, like, space that out because I I, I do feel like like we know each other. I agree. And there is that weird moment when you finally, like, see each other face-to-face after, you know, talking online for every day for a year or longer or something, and, you know, that first hug. And 
sometimes there's that little bit of, you know, awkwardness, and then, you know, you have your adult beverage, and it's great. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't wait to see I, you either. And, and all the readers, you know, who have taken a chance on my books, you know, if I do a signing, please come. I don't bite. <laughs> and, you know, I'm often, like, more shy than anybody else in the room. So um, social media is great, but it's even better to give somebody a hug in, in person. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Philip Phillips in Home, tell me about that. Um, well, how, the song Home is, um, was really big for me in Gooey Decks, and I just listened to it over and over again. It was very much a song for Gil and Maggie, and then um, I didn't really, I guess I missed, I'm the only person who didn't know this, that he was on American Idol, and I kind of missed all that. And because I loved Home so much, I... Um, just listen to his album over and over again for Ready to Fall. And, you know, I just think he has a great sound. I love his lyrics, just the timbre of his voice. You know, it just was a great fit for, for John Day and his story. And, um, you know, I think he's a really talented artist, and I wish him all the best, and I think he's going to be have a long career. And, you know, he needs to put out another album, so I have another album to write a book to. <laughs> well, we'll get on that because we want you to write more yeah. books. If that's what it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, I think you can tell him to do that. It's a favor to me. It would be great. Um, yeah, so home, I think is you know it's just it's a good song for finding your your true north and your home that you carry with you. All right. Well, thanks, Daisy, for coming on. And I appreciate uh, you taking a big chunk of time out of your day to come on and talk with us and and, and talk to all the listeners. And and I hope they all read both books because both books are – well, I haven't read the the second one, but but I have it, and I'm going to read it this weekend. And I know it's just because you write in the style that that I like to read. So I I know it's going to be just as good as Gooey Decks um, was, which I I still have read – I think I've read it two or three times because when when I was going to go to over to Whidbey, I wanted to make sure I, I went to a lot of the places that you'd written in the book. So I'm like, I want to make sure, so I need to read through it again and make notes. So it's like a travel well, guide. Do the same with Ready to Fall because there's new places to visit. And if you have the chance to open that, go to Island Recycling. <laughs> it will blow your mind. So okay. Um, well, thank you so much down. for having me on. Oh, it's always a pleasure. You're welcome anytime. So this is Philip Philip Burton Home. We'll be we'll be right back. Thanks, Daisy. Hold on to me as we go. As we roll down this unfamiliar road. And although this way Stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your
Well, that's our show. We would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and, of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.